how do you know if you're making an impact on helping those you lead manage burnout? How do you know if your organization is getting closer to engagement rather than burnout? This is what we're talking about this week on The Leadership Pulse. Welcome to The Leadership Pulse, where we talk about leadership and culture in healthcare. I'm your host, Becky Wolf. There is still a fair amount of discussion about burnout. What are we doing as leaders and organizations to help our people manage burnout? I'm going to be using the U.S. Surgeon General's discussion on a thriving, healthy workforce. So building a thriving and healthy workforce. So specifically some data from that. So first, I want to define what burnout is in case you've heard the term, but maybe haven't uh, had the definition of it at some point. Burnout is an, an occupational syndrome characterized by a high degree of emotional exhaustion, depersonalization or cynicism, so negative feelings towards work, and a low sense of personal accomplishment at work. So why is it significant? So uh, factual data from the U.S. Surgeon General's Building a Thriving Healthy Workforce Researchers estimate that the annual cost of burnout regarding in turnover actually uh, is about $9 billion for nurses and 2.6 to 6.3 billion for physicians. And this is annually. The Association of American Medical Colleges projected in 2020 that physician demand would continue to grow faster than supply, leading to a shortage of between 54,000 to 139,000 physicians by 2033, with the most alarming gaps in primary care in rural areas. So that alone is alarming and startling data. And that's not even uh, with the understanding of what it does to our health overall. So in regards to health, what happens if we're in burnout? So chronic stress has been linked to higher risk of developing diseases such as high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, obesity, cancer, uh, autoimmune disease, and chronic stress leads to burnout if nothing is done about it. So such stress can lead to mental health and behavioral health challenges. Uh, including depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, substance misuse, and have negative effects on the mental health of children and family workers. This alone is just some data uh, with an understanding of what it does to the bottom line of healthcare, so what it's actually contributing as far as costs related to healthcare. In terms of what it does to our physical and mental health, burnout or chronic stress has actually been linked to developing high blood pressure, high cholesterol, heart disease, obesity, cancer, and autoimmune disease. It can contribute to mental and behavioral challenges, including depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, and substance abuse. And it can have a negative impact on the mental health of children and families of workers. So the Kaiser Family Foundation found that 62% of health workers surveyed reported that during the pandemic, they experienced worry and stress and that has continued to affect them, while 49% of health workers reported the pandemic negatively impacted their physical health, including sleep issues and frequent headaches. In 2022, the CDC found nearly half of 26,000 U.S. public health workers surveyed experienced at least one symptom of a mental health condition during COVID-19. Uh, related to anxiety or PTSD or maybe even depression. And one of 12 of those experienced suicidal ideation. So what does workplace well-being have to do with any of that? Well, Vivek Murthy, uh, Dr. Vivek Murthy, uh, in his workplace well-being research, found that 
if we started to design workplaces that were focused around health, it would significantly contribute to reducing the amount of burnout that we're experiencing. So there were, there were uh, five components to what Dr. Murthy proposed in his research, and they were as follows. So protection from harm. So he goes on to further characterize this into psychological and physical safety. So creating environments where people feel not only physically safe, but also psychologically safe. So being able to um, be themselves, be authentic, and be in workplace environments where they don't have to separate themselves from work and home. Um, that is the number one thing that he suggested during in, in those research um, papers. Next is connection and community. Next is work-life harmony. I know the term that we frequently hear is work-life balance, but I think work-life harmony actually is a better term to be used here. Balance feels like if we can't achieve the perfect balance that we're failing. And harmony just means that we want to integrate life and work and that we want them to be uh, equally as important, I think, uh, and, and meaningful. Mattering at work, that's the next thing that he proposed in the research. And people feeling like they have a sense of accomplishment is more important now than it ever has been and opportunities for growth. So being able to do something where people know that they're gonna be able to grow uh, in their roles, that's all really, really important when we're talking about workplace well-being. So having said all of this, this is not a quick fix. This is not something that takes just a few trainings to get through. Uh, most organizations, they wanna know they're making a difference uh, when investing in their people. So. How do we do this? So how do we actually do the investment, make the investment with people, uh, but then also know that we're moving the needle in the right way towards workplace uh, well-being? So first, what you need to do is adopt the mindset of development versus training. In order to make shifts towards environments with those five aspects that Dr. Murthy suggested, the first crucial step is this is a long game. So what's the difference between development and training? So development really is a process that creates growth, progress, positive change, or the addition of physical, economic, environmental, social, or demographic components. Um, so positive change in, in at least a couple of those areas, that's what it means uh, to have development. It's actually a, a transformative process. Training is increasing knowledge. So it's not the application that's doing anything. It really is just increasing knowledge. So you've got to adopt the mindset of development, which really is transformation versus training, which is just increasing knowledge. So it is a very different dynamic. We cannot train away burnout. That's what I want the message to be in, in, uh, in this podcast episode, because you cannot train it away. You cannot have somebody sit through a, a webinar or have them sit through trainings and expect it to go away because we're more complex than that. It's not possible to just do a few trainings and expect people to be okay. We cannot foster safety, connection, work-life harmony, people feeling like they matter at work and giving opportunities for growth through training. It's just not possible. It doesn't happen in six months. That's the other thing I mentioned earlier. It's a long game and it is. It doesn't take six months for burnout to go away. It can take longer. And if we're talking about transformative processes within organizations, you're dealing with a lot of people. So getting unity and getting people moving in the right direction together, it just takes time. So I tell organizations I work with, it's about a two to three year process and it, it depends on where you're at in the spectrum here of change, but it can take that long. It can take every bit of that long to really see the transformation of culture in your organization. 
Here's the next thing. If you try and train away burnout at this point, you will create resentment and frustration. People are tired of a quick fix. They want something that's going to actually move the needle and transform the organization as a whole. In healthcare in particular, it's challenging because you see uh, a lot of change in the dynamics of the way healthcare is. So moving towards more health-focused, innovative um, processes and procedures and uh, the way people are doing things, different revenue models, those types of things. So it is more challenging, um, but I think people are invested in, in taking the time that's needed in order for change to be communicated well and to be on board with where an organization is going, to have an overall vision and strategy of the organization. People want to just know what that looks like and they want to know their part in it. So if you decide to invest in your people. So that's the the leading indicator. If you're deciding to invest in your people, how do you know if it's working? So that's something that I work with organizations and they wanna have some metrics. They wanna know what they're doing really is mattering and it's actually effective and working. So leading indicators to change. How do you know if you're moving in the right direction? So I use things uh, with Giant called the Hope Meter, Peace Index, they're really individual metrics of if people are starting to feel better and move uh, in the right direction of change. Uh, The other thing I use when I work with teams is called a team performance assessment. So it's essentially a survey that I send out to each department or the organization as a whole. And what we do is we measure that every six months to see if we're moving in the right direction. And even more than that, what I do is uh, in, in that team performance assessment, there's five components. It is communication, relationships, alignment, execution, and capacity. So I want to know specifically the areas that I need to focus on with an organization or a particular team. So I have a little bit of uh, more direction if I'm doing uh, or if I'm implementing this early. So without some type of metrics, you're just guessing. So if you don't have a strategy going into this, it can feel like you're guessing. And I think that's where people get hung up of, you know, if I invest in my people, how do I know if it's working? And that's a great question to ask. So if you don't have some type of baseline metrics, it can feel a little fuzzy. So going in with a strategy is really, really important. Businesses, hospitals, medical offices, there's three components to the business. And that really is people, capital, and strategy. So What I do is I work with the people strategy side of things. So if you don't have a people strategy and you're not working to the full potential of your people, then you're missing out on what your team could be doing and what your organization could be doing as a whole. A Gallup study done in 2022 indicates that about 35% of people are actively engaged at work. Only 35%. So imagine if you had more of your workforce engaged in what you're doing and you go from potentially surviving to thriving, what would that do? So those are the leading indicators to change. Let's talk about some of the lagging indicators to change. So if you're investing in your people and you're seeing those elements get a little better as far as the team performance assessment, and you're noticing individually people are feeling like they have more peace, more hope, um, and using some of those metrics moving forward, the lagging indicators that should improve are patient satisfaction surveys. Your um, workplace flow should get better. Patient flow should start to get better. Um, satisfaction surveys at home should show letters being sent home or through text messaging or however your organization is doing that, you should start to see more favorable results. Uh, If not, then you can attack the area of opportunity for you to grow um, from those surveys. Patient outcomes should get better. 
So are you experiencing less medical errors? Is communication between staff and patients improving? What are you hearing in regards to those conversations? What are you noticing? And then finally, revenue growth. Are you starting to see your bottom line improve? And that could be related to turnover costs uh, decreasing. Uh, are you taking advantage of potentially some of the new healthcare focused or health focused revenue models? Because there are some out there. So when you go from surviving to thriving, there's opportunity that you wouldn't have been able to tap into unless you had a fully engaged workforce. So that's the lagging indicators is really more of the monetary value um, that you should start to experience as as well as the patient outcomes um, and the patient satisfaction. So those are more of the lagging indicators. Without the leading indicators and investment into people, you won't see the lagging indicators. You'll also continue to incur the cost of turnover. And I think the expectation from a lot of people in any industry right now is they want a culture that cares for them. So culture really is each individual manager, leader, um, person that's inside of that organization. They want to feel like people care about them and that they matter. So uh, here's why I think it's important to have scalable people development I'm going to use a baseball reference here because I'm in the middle of baseball season with my kids. And uh, and I think it's relevant to how I think about the team <laughs> that I'm watching my kids play in. Um, if you're only coaching the pitcher, how effective do you think the team will be? So if I'm only coaching the pitcher, I can expect a ton from that pitcher, right? But if there's a play that gets hit to the outfield and the outfielder has no idea what play to run that team's going to be missing out on so much opportunity for what they could be as far as their potential, right? Their growth is limited. This goes for the same uh, with healthcare leaders. If we're only coaching a certain section or sector of leaders, healthcare leaders, executives, uh, and we're not coaching the rest of the team to have some type of unity or dynamic where they're working together, we're missing out on the function of the team as a whole. So that's why I think it really matters with the scalable people development. And this is why I love working with Giant. So if you want to improve burnout in your teams, it really is a process that requires consistency and development. So if you have any questions on that, I'm happy to answer those. Please leave those in the comments. And until next time, I'm for you and I'm Becky Wolf. <laughs> <laughs>